2: Great to have you in, midweek edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, and you. We will dive into the Husker Reddit poll that is out there. Some pretty good percentages put on uh, who you have faith Nebraska can beat. Some of those games you're not so uh, excited about. Uh, The art of swearing, because, well... That's one thing a lot of coaches are good at. We'll dive into it with the the Pirate himself in one hour. Mike Leach, Mississippi State, will sit down with this. The Pirate will join us on Hale Varsity Radio. This hour, Mike Babcock going to be with us from Hale Varsity. Get some football thoughts from Babbers. Historian, author, Hall of Famer with Hale Varsity, Mike Babcock. And then our, our golf guy, we love him. Mike Shuhard, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Talk some football and golf with Shuey. Shuey's as big a Nebraska fan as there is, and uh, get his take on the upcoming season. Numbers to dial up. Get involved with us here on Hale Varsity at 466 37 825 5865. You can email chris at hailvarsity.com and give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, that's me, that's my Twitter, Elijah Herbal, at Herbal Essence for Elijah. Uh, follow him on Twitter, follow Hail Varsity. And then, yes, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter is, well, it's about a week old, but uh, you can follow all show updates and some of the uh, the two-minute drill SoundCloud stuff there, at H Varsity Radio. I got it right, man. I even had to. You know, sometimes you're a kid. You, you put some. Uh, well, not not me, but a guy I knew would uh, would, in ink, write on his arm if there was a tough test to take. I haven't quite gone there yet, but, but I almost need to with the, the, the radio radio. Are you talking either.
3: like like cheating with the the writing it in? No, it was practice. Oh, okay, okay. But I was <laughs> saying my, my, my cheating method of, of choice on those math tests, those hard ones you didn't know, was you would just go like write out a list of hiring somebody to take it for you. No, 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 no. All you would do is, you, some people would like have like their, uh, their calculator covers on their math test, yeah, and they'd write in there, bad plan. Great way to get caught. Best way to do it, <laughs> go and write your formulas out in the calculator, and then shut your calculator off. Because once you turn it on, it'll still be the first thing you can see up there, so then undo your calculator, turn it on, boom, there's all your formulas, write them at the top of your tests. No one's going to get mad at you for memorizing some formulas and writing them down. But the hard part's memorizing it, so you just write it down in the calculator, and boom, you got all your the formulas there.
2: Well, uh, we've got to find that perfect formula uh, for 2022 with Nebraska. Uh, let's get into it. And also, we'll remember Vin Scully, and a lot of us had got into to this medium. Uh, we were inspired because of what voices we heard growing up. Not in our own heads, mind you, but uh, those voices on the radio or TV – those flashbulb moments in sports that that still stick with you, and it, you know, thanks to uh, to YouTube TV, and and I I remember watching the '86 World Series, and I was cheering for for Boston because I liked Roger Clemens, and I remember this moment uh, with with Buckner, and who hasn't heard it, seen it? If you're younger, uh, the. It's, it's, it lives in infamy, and, and Bill Buckner passed away a couple, three years ago, but man, he was a damn fine baseball player, but this is what he's remembered for, and this was Scully on the call.
1: So the winning run is at second base with two out, three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first, behind the back. It gets through!
2: I- improbable improbable what was hilarious though is somebody synced this up on youtube with the old original nintendo rbi baseball <laughs> and it was mookie batting and he had a little dribbler in the uh infancy of graphics and video games that went by the first baseman and it was synced up perfectly with that play but vin scully incredible the pride of fordham he was uh, just masterful at what he did. Not a huge Dodger fan, but I love Jackie Robinson. And that uh, era of baseball and uh, Vin's time with Brooklyn and then to L.A. was was fantastic. Such a gentleman, such a, uh, an ambassador, and even uh, a guy that, that branched out from baseball to the Masters, to the, uh, the catch by Dwight Clark from... Joe Montana against uh, Ed Tall Jones and the Cowboys but as a kid growing up you have the Oakland A's you have the 1990s Oakland A's Canseco, McGuire, Ricky Henderson, Eckersley Dave Stewart loved them and this was my heartbreak with Kirk Gibson coming to the plate and delivering against the ECK. this is this was voted most iconic baseball call of all time He let that thing go for sixty seconds of crazed Dodger fans, and uh, some of us may have thrown a remote and went to our bedroom crying. With uh, it was just game one, but it was done. You had uh, wounded Gibby come up and deliver it, and and boy did Vin do it. So uh, thank you, Vin Scully, for a life well-lived, and inspirations to thousands.
3: It was the way he used his words as a paintbrush. Somebody said that on Twitter last night. and That's the perfect way to put Vin Scully's career behind the mic, is he used his words like a paintbrush, and never once in the big moment did it seem like he didn't have the perfect thing to say, the the, the perfect way of of describing the game, describing the moment, uh, in a way that was really a a work of art. That's what made Vin Scully so special to me. And
2: and he never – he was never – forcing it to be about him. Mm-hmm. He was so he 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 hit all the right notes with it. And let's let's talk painting. Uh, let's get into what type of work of art Nebraska's 2022 season could be. And I don't know if it's going to be graffiti art. I don't know if it's going to be uh classical art that's priceless. I don't know if it's Andy Warhol, but you'll put some sort of price tag on it. And this Reddit polls pretty good with Nebraska and uh, economy pie is, is who put this out there on Reddit. Yes. That, that's, that's the username. So that's, shout out to economy pie for yes. putting this together. So what you have here is, is Husker Reddit going to town here on Nebraska and percentages attached. Husker fans jumped on, logged on, clicked on, and you've got two columns, the oh no, and oh yes, and the the oh yes is there's a there's a eighty seven percent voter turnout for Nebraska to beat Northwestern. That's the feeling as of as of yesterday, right around the nineties for Rutgers in Indiana, almost at a hundred percent Georgia Southern, North Dakota, and for some reason nine out of ten voting in this reddit poll say nebraska will beat illinois they should they haven't <laughs> okay the oh no 50 percent or below oklahoma at 26 percent purdue at 43 percent minnesota uh, right there at 50 51 percent five percent say michigan is winnable and then wisconsin's all the way down to 22 percent iowa's at 47 percent uh six out of ten say nebraska's going bowling uh Two out of ten say Nebraska can win the West. Let's dive into this. So I have it broken down into the schedule, the month, and and like best case scenario. Best case scenarios 4-0 for Nebraska in November. It really just depends on, to me, what happens 23 days from now. Are you going to get a win in Ireland? Is that make or break? And I think from a, from a doom and gloom standpoint, they don't come back from Ireland without a win. I don't care how it looks. I don't care if it's a field goal. I don't care if Northwestern self-destructs. Do you escape the island 1-0? Because Nebraska has not been 1-0 and in 1,000 years in the Big Ten. It doesn't feel like. You get to 1-0, and you get some confidence. You get some confidence, maybe you do superhuman things. You play over your skis. Or you just play better football. But Ireland's all of it. Now, say they get weird against Northwestern, Elijah. It's not lost. You're going to need a save-the-season type win in ball game, And that still comes in September in the form of Oklahoma. But it's hard for me to do the math. If you lose to Northwestern, what are your chances of beating Oklahoma? You can get better. You can improve as the year goes on. That happens a lot in college football. But a lot of times by game three or four, you are what you're going to be, at least offensively. Uh, And and maybe a little room for improvement. But I I see Nebraska at at 3-1 and in September. I see Nebraska. I look at October, and on paper they shouldn't lose to anybody. They shouldn't lose to Purdue, even though Purdue's a, a dark horse or a dangerous team you shouldn't lose at Rutgers but Friday night could be weird in Jersey Indiana got you last time they were here somehow and then there's Illinois who you've not played well against Tennessee Tommy Armstrong era to be frank uh, or at least 2018 November Minnesota Michigan Wisconsin Iowa got to go two and two and and finish two and two and and things are okay. I think if you're a Nebraska fan and and right, they're six and two going into November, and and they finish two and two, I think you can take that and put it in your back pocket from a moment, from a momentum standpoint, and feel all right. You should beat Minnesota, and you got to split with Iowa or Wisconsin, and go play well against Michigan. We're getting way the hell ahead of ourselves. But pretty good Reddit poll here, and you know where the Nebraska fan base is
3: at based on the percentages, based on the clicks. And it starts with week one against Northwestern. When was the last time Nebraska got momentum rolling early in their season? I don't think it's happened once in Scott Frost era. Never. I think you have to go back to maybe that first year under Mike Riley, where you can say Nebraska got some momentum going, and with that momentum, they were able to play above their level just a little bit for a couple weeks. And, I mean— Scott Frost, the only time he's won his opening game at Nebraska was against South Alabama. And if you remember anything about that game, that was a nervous game to watch.
2: Adrian was just not easy to watch that
3: game. Yeah, you needed a a pick six from Eric Lee, I believe, as well as a a J.D. Spielman punt return uh, to go win that game, which you won by two scores. And then you followed up the next week by going to Boulder and laying the the fourth-quarter egg of all fourth-quarter eggs. (laughs) There was not –
2: brother, we were out there for that. You were part of it, and – there was not any beer left because you go from drinking to celebrate nebraska fans to oh god it's in overtime then it's oh no there's this field goal they've got a hit that's horrific from a distance Mm -hmm. standpoint to tie it and force a second overtime to everyone popping the the old red balloon in boulder and then it never got right after that.
3: Well, you had a couple of wins against some bad teams after that. And then Ohio State came to town and <laughs> and put a beat down on you. And that killed any hope of momentum that you would have. And you went on to lose five of your next six. After Kent
2: emails in, it. chris at com, And I love Kent's snarkiness. He says Akron was Frost's best opener. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, that stadium was
2: electric for 10 minutes. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 The uh, The good old... Terry
3: Bowden's like, yeah, I'm
2: just going to take our check
3: and go. But, but think about how important, uh, say, Nebraska going in and beating Northwestern by 14 points would be in Dublin, just in the grand scheme of a season. If Nebraska can go pull that off, the momentum it would lead you into, because I don't think if Nebraska can do that against Northwestern, I don't think anyone thinks Nebraska is going to lose either of their next two games. So then it, it, it has momentum. You have confidence going into a, a big matchup against Oklahoma, who— Oh, yeah, has a new head coach this season, and a lot of people in the national media are just waiting for something to go wrong at that Oklahoma season this year. Under a new head coach with new talent, a new quarterback, you have no idea what you're going to Rated talent. I mean, that talent, like what OU
2: is supposed to be, has either been lost to the NFL or they're out in SoCal.
3: So if you have a confident Nebraska team going up against an Oklahoma team who, I mean, with everyone saying you're just waiting for something to go wrong, are they as a team going to be waiting for something to go wrong? I, I mean, the the, the the implications of a successful Nebraska trip out to Dublin on this season, I don't think it can be understated how huge it is. Because on the flip side of things, if you lose that game against Northwestern, there could be no coming back for Scott Frost. He would have four games to be able to flip the script and, and let the administration know, you know what, no, when my buyout drops on October 1st, you should not be firing me. I mean, it, it'd be hard to come back from that from Scott Frost if you lose in Dublin. So the, just the, the, the magnitude of that game, I don't think can be understated.
2: No, the toxicity is very real post Northwestern. Mm-hmm. And what's mood, what's feel, what's pressure, what's climate, all of that. And that's where your mind's at as a Nebraska fan. You can have a uh, Illinois repeat. And 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 to be like fair, Nebraska's not had the easiest of roads. You had to you had to plow through it. You had to figure it out anyway, but Nebraska's not had the easiest of roads uh, from the conference, and you need to be better. They 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 took you in from the Big 12 because of your brand and the eyeballs. You need to start living up to being what Nebraska used to be on the football field, challenging for some wins. But it's it's been difficult, and this isn't an easy task either. Have, most of these guys never been out of the country for a football game, or for sure on a bowl-like setup because they've not been to a bowl game. We'll get thoughts from Mike Babcock. He's next. Mike Leach, the Pirate, 40 minutes away. at Hale Varsity Radio.
0: Hey, Storm Chasers fans. A six-game homestand against St. Paul is upcoming, and it all begins on August 2nd. That night is free on the green, which means free berm tickets if you show your FNBO card. The following night is library night, and we're whispering because you can't talk loud in the library, which is why I avoid libraries. Dollar beer night is August 4th, and that's also military appreciation night, two of my favorite things. You'll see patriotic jerseys and a whole lot of Budweiser. Nothing more American than that. The weekend slate includes fireworks on Friday night, camo jerseys with an in-game jersey auction on Saturday, and a family fun day on Sunday, which includes bark in the park, canned food for tickets, and kids running the bases after the game. Get your tickets now before it's too late. We'll see you soon. And we're back, fellas. Did we could listen to the radio?
2: Listen on Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: Yes,
4: that's awesome.
2: Thanks for spending time, Hail Varsity Radio, on a Wednesday, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. We're streaming here on ESPN, Lincoln's Facebook and Twitter. And uh, we welcome in historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mr. Husker Football, Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, what do you know as uh, we see you at your, your home football headquarters? What's going
5: on? <laughs> well, I was interested in what you were saying about Vin Scully because I am uh, not a Dodger fan in any way, shape, or form. But uh, a few years ago when I first started subscribing to MLB.com, mm-hmm. uh, one of Two reasons I did it. One, I wanted to see all my Giants games, big Giants fan. And two, I wanted to watch Dodger games because I like listening to Vin Scully. Um, And I'm not making that up. I really did enjoy that. And and that was part of the reason that I subscribed to it, um, just because you could get him on the Dodger games.
2: Been so good, a Giant fan bought a subscription <laughs> to the MLB network just so you could hear the soothing tones.
5: In part, to do that, yes. A- and you were going to yes. see a lot of
2: Giant games uh, with the Dodgers, uh, the rivalry of yeah. all rivalries.
5: Yeah, and you can double up now. The Giants this year have not been in very competitive mode, so wouldn't matter anyway. I would. Uh, I don't watch the Dodgers because I've got no Vince calling now.
2: No. So. That makes sense, uh, Vin. Uh, one of the best, and you know, sports fans, be it a Nebraska football fan or MLB fan like yourself with the with the Giants, are just growing up. I mean, there's there's that that tie and that passion that, that sports has and pulls the heartstrings, the emotion that goes into it. And yeah, you know, I look at at this season uh, with Nebraska and Mike. Interested to get your thoughts as we're. In the infancy of camp right now, but you know, just from a vibe standpoint, I have really honed in on Coach Chenander. Not necessarily Coach Frost, but very interested in the defense, the heavy lifting that'll that'll be needed again from from their side of the football. And what wanted to get your take on on the comfort level right now with the defense that they're having to replace some key pieces? But man, it sounds like they're they're pretty high on on the um, the depth they have and the talent in that area
5: yeah the transfer portal really has helped Nebraska I think on defense um, because they they lost guys but they brought in some guys that I think can have an immediate impact on the defense and and you need that especially up front um, because of the losses that you had but uh, yeah I think you know, the one thing that, you know, I say this every time, but we kind of have to temper the enthusiasm a little bit because it's the same way everywhere. I remember at uh, uh, at Big Ten media days, uh, Trev Albert said, you know, something to the same effect, you know, that at this time of year, everybody is excited.
2: You Everyone's know, undefeated.
5: <laughs> what's going to happen? But, you know, uh, you know, having said that, uh, you're right, though. There's some talent. Um, that I think has transferred in. And there are some, you know, there are some guys that are coming back. There's a lot of competition in the secondary, obviously, um, what they want to do there. I, I like that if they carry through with what Travis Fisher said. I like the fact that they might be using multiple defensive backs, working guys in there if they can, um, because I think that that's a, that's a really good way to approach things. Um, if, if you can keep guys fresh, Um, And, you know, in the secondary, obviously, you're doing a lot of running, a lot of moving around, a lot of trying to coverage on guys. So, um, if you can have multiple guys uh, in there that you're comfortable with, I think that's a positive. Um, I think the same thing, you know, Barrett Root has talked about, well, maybe last year, uh, Reimer and and, uh, uh, Henrich were in there a little bit too much, you know, but uh, we needed them in there. You know, you need to get some more. Uh, linebackers involved in that situation. Uh, Same way with the outside linebackers. It's just a numbers thing. Um, You know, you can't just be scratching to get a starter out there. If you're in that position, um, it's going to be difficult for you. But if you're feeling like you've got guys, a couple of guys at a position that you're comfortable with, and I'm not just talking about defense, I'm talking about offense as well. um, I think that speaks well for where, where you're at. And if that's, where they truly are, if that's what we're going to see when the season gets underway, then you've got to feel good about it.
3: Mike Babcock's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, what is your barometer for success going to be for, for this defense here in 2022? I think people were encouraged last season that the scoring was down. It didn't feel like any Big Ten team could just run the ball down Nebraska's throat at Will. And there was, uh, I guess, signs of encouragement there. But what what's your barometer going to be here in 2022? Some people are going to look at, at scoring defense and say, how many points a game does this team allow? Others are going to look at uh, the fact that uh, the, the three-and-out rate, how often are you getting three-and-outs getting your offense back on the field? And I think there's another group of people that are going to say, well, the turnover is what's important for this defense. That's what Chinander's defense was was billed as being when he came to Nebraska. It's a defense that's going to take away the ball and give the offense more opportunities. What What are you going to be looking at in order to say, yeah, this defense is successful, or, or no, this defense isn't successful in 2022?
5: Well, first off, you got to be able to stop the run. I think that's, in the Big Ten, got to be able to do that. I mean, and I like the I like your... Observation about pressure—you've got to get, you got to get pressure on the opposing quarterback, and you got to, you got to create turnovers. That's something that hurt Nebraska in some situations last year. Um, you've got to do that on defense. I'm, I think they have the capability of doing that, um, but uh, but do they do it once the once the real stuff starts going? You know, it, it, can they accomplish those kind of things? And and again, they've brought in some guys that can facilitate that. I think. Um, uh, coupled with great leadership from Garrett Nelson, I mean, you can't you can't underscore that enough. He's a tremendous leader, I think, and he's gotten better each year. So that you know, there's high expectations for him as a player on the field, and some of those expectations relate to forcing turnovers, creating pressure on the opposing quarterback, which is what you need.
2: Mike Babcock's with us. HailVarsity dot Magazine at MD Babs, where you follow him on Twitter. Babbers, you had a chance to spend a couple of minutes with Ty Robinson. Do uh, you like the look? I mean, the, the old shaved head, brother.
5: Yeah, I'm. In, I was impressed with you know, I, I talked about uh, Garrett Nelson in leadership, but I, but I think that Ty Robinson he called himself a henchman and uh you know he, he's kind of the enforcer type guy or whatever but um uh you know I, I was really impressed with him he's very articulate and i think he has a good sense of what has to happen and how you can integrate transfers into the system in, in a way that's going to be effective for nebraska so yeah that was i, I was in, really impressed with him i that i hadn't talked to him um uh, before that and uh um, yeah, I stuck around for almost the whole, the whole thing um, just because uh, he, he was so engaging, I thought. And, it, you know, that, that speaks well, I think, for, for what they have in terms of leadership on the defensive line. Um, him and, and uh, uh, Garrett Nelson, I think you, you've got the upfront guys, you've got good leadership there. Guys that set an example, first of all, but you can't just set an example. Um, I think you have to go to people when you feel like they're not getting the job done. You've got to be comfortable talking to other people um, and, and carrying them along there. And they've got to be comfortable with being told how things need to be done if they're not doing it right.
3: And Mikey, you talk about that leadership aspect. I think Nebraska's got a couple of great ones up front. Garrett Nelson, uh, Ty Robinson, as you mentioned, and even the linebackers I feel good about, but, I'm still not sure who's going to step up and be a leader in that defensive backroom because they had a couple last season. Deontay Williams, uh, Cam Taylor-Britt. I mean, they just had guys that you felt confident in that back end, not only in their playing ability, but in their ability to, to, to do things the right way and lead that defense in the right way. Do you worry about leadership within the secondary here in 2022?
5: No, I think one thing that, that you can feel good about in the secondary is I think Quentin New- Newsom has really become more comfortable in that kind of role, that take that kind of responsibility, um, he he's much more comfortable, I think, around reporters, um, and and I think that that can transfer into the into the secondary and the kind of leadership. So I think it starts with him, and and so I, I, I'm going to say no. I'm not concerned about that because you have a guy that has experience and is comfortable and is willing to take that responsibility, which he's indicated. So um, I, I think there and you've got you've got good direction there i think travis fisher's really uh, does a good job so uh no i'm i'm not concerned uh the concern is maybe you're a little light on experience on you know guys that have been on the field long enough to really feel like they fit in
2: Babber's uh, a thought here before we say goodbye on on Whipple the quarterbacks and the overall picture on offense uh so far so good i i appre- appreciate the straightforwardness from Whipple, and uh, I think I think they're going to be able to to put those guys in position to do some pretty good things. And I think the 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 Frost Whipple marriage could uh, could be okay. I, I'm a little concerned going in, but Whipple's Whipple's seen about everything.
5: Yeah, I was a little surprised when when Scott Frost talked about how it was going to be. A- you know, he wasn't really stepping away from the offense. That they were going to work together and do some kind of things. But you know me; for me, it all starts with the guys up front. and the offensive line get the job done? And you know, from what I from what I expect of the guys coming back, even though uh, you know losing Nori uh, this year, that that's going to be a that's a little bit of an issue there, a little bit of a concern but you've got a guy like Brock Bando, a six year guy that's stepping up. Um, Trent Hickson, a six year guy. So you got leadership on the offensive line from two six year guys that are not afraid to uh, step, in, step up and be in that role. Um, and how that all filters down, you know, Corcoran and and Prohaska uh, didn't get through spring, but they're looking pretty good from what everybody says now. Um, so I feel good about the potential in the offensive line, and that's going to affect what's going to happen with uh, whoever the quarterback is, Casey Thompson, and what gets accomplished there.
2: It's Mike Babcock with Hale Varsity. Babbers, about 20 seconds. What's coming up with you on Hale Varsity?
5: Uh, Well, we're uh, getting ready. We're less than two weeks away from putting together the uh, the volleyball issue, and then uh, it's right around to uh, – back to football issues and of course we're getting close to you know ireland so
2: bon voyage man <laughs>
5: you know that's uh that's pretty exciting but i'll see what you how you guys analyze it and then i'll say yeah that's what i think you i agree with that
2: <laughs> no, no you're 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 the voice of reason this is what needs to be said and, and how it happens and mike we'll check in next week with you thanks for joining us today
5: Hey, thanks for having me, Guy.
2: Appreciate you. There he is, historian, author, Hall of Famer. Uh, give Mike a follow on Twitter. Read him for sure with Hale Varsity at MD Babs. A little golf talk, some more football, and we're 25 minutes away from Mike Leach. The Pirate will join us. at Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
0: When you think of Union Omaha, what comes to mind? The high level of play, the inviting atmosphere, the amazing promotions, huh? I spoke to a former player, and when I asked for one thing that made playing for Union Omaha so special, he responded with the people, his teammates, the staff, and the fans. The super passionate, crazy, awesome fans, that is. Why am I bringing this up? Because I want to remind you that the people are just as important to the team as the team is to them. There are plenty of matches down the stretch, and we want to see you in the seats. Get your tickets now. Now, before it's too late. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio.
2: Back with you, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Follow us, the uh, Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at H Varsity Radio at Schmidt underscore radio, at uh, Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Welcome in with Wilderness Ridge, Mike Shuhart. Shuey, you, you got uh, the, the the women's amateurs going on right now at Wilderness Ridge. How's the day?
4: It's been good. It's exciting finish. So they finished up just a little bit ago. So got to watch some nice golf. Got to watch an exciting finish. Uh, Megan Whitaker ended up uh, hanging on and, and getting her first title. So it was fun to watch.
2: That's awesome. Shuey, how many exciting finishes uh, are you anticipating for Nebraska football?
4: Mm, I hope a lot, in the good way, in the positive (laughs) side. So, (laughs) not on the negative side.
2: We're, uh, as Nebraskans, I mean, things the the pendulum's got to swing back, right? I mean, you've had your... Someone's put a smoky treat out on your uh, your palm too many times here in the Big Ten the last three years, right? I mean, it's supposed to go the other way. Not every year can you win close games or be over 500, but you got to get some of them, don't you?
4: You would think so. I mean, it just comes back to the same thing. It's like, can you not turn the ball over in a critical time, which you wouldn't think you're going to continue to do, and you know can you not give up a punt return or some stupid penalty or something like that you know it's just that they've found a way to lose so many games so many bizarre ways that don't typically happen you know and it's like sooner or later that's got to turn around and you think you got a new quarterback that probably is going to manage the game better you hope and not create some of those things you got focused on your special teams so You know, so hopefully some of those things that have haunted you in the past, you'll be able to take care of. And just the odds, man, the odds of something in your favor going your way as opposed to always going against you, you know. I mean, it's got to be about that time.
3: Well, Mike, let's put this in golf terms. What do you say to a golfer that – they just bogeyed 17. Now they're only one up as, as they step into the tee box on 18. And you can see it in their eyes. They're nervous. They're worried they're going to miss the fairway with this drive. What do you say to that golfer just to, to kind of try to take the pressure off and and get them back to their game as opposed to feeling the pressure of the moment?
4: Well, most of it is. It's like you, you, you've done what you're being asked to do a million times. So it's like put yourself in a practice round, around the driving range, hitting that exact shot? How many times have you hit that shot over and over and over again, you know, just like what the golf course is asking you to do at this particular time? So it's like you gotta you got to think back into what it is that you already know how to do. you got to trust yourself in being able to do that and put yourself in a situation where, yeah, man, I've done this 50 times, 150 times, 2,050 times. So, it's just getting back into the right frame of mind. So, it's just like golf, football. It's like, what do you do when you practice? You practice this play, this scenario over and over and over, and you succeed somewhat in practice, I would hope, most of the time. So, it's like, again, it all goes back into you got to trust yourself. You got to trust your training. You got to believe in it because it's done. You've done it. So, it's like, that's why and how you can believe in it because you've already done it. You've done it over and over continuously.
2: Should we going to go to golf here? A thought from you on what the PGA's done in response to live. And that's, uh, they're going to pay out a record 428.6 million for the upcoming year. The purses are going up 22, 23 season. Uh, you expected some sort of response. Is that enough of a response to keep from defections?
4: I don't know, man, those defections are going to be hard, man. Those guys are getting crazy amounts of money, mm-hmm. you know. I saw a stat the other day where a guy finished, like, 41st, dead last, dead last, dead last, dead last, and he made as much money as Tony Finow did for winning the event. So it's like, when you're paying out that kind of money and you don't even have to perform, I mean, it's, it's hard for guys to turn that down, you know. So yeah, it's going to help. I mean, anytime you start raising the stakes, you know, it, it helps their position a little bit. Um, I, I don't know, man. It's 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 going to be interesting down the stretch. What's going to happen? You know, there's more and more guys that are that are talking about going there, are going there. I mean, they just got Bubba Watson, another mm-hmm. Masters champ. I still go back to the same thing. It's like they get all these guys that are Masters winners that are exempt into the Masters, you know, what's the Masters gonna do when it comes time to that tournament for all these LIB guys that aren't eligible to really play in the Masters because they don't meet the criteria anymore. What are they gonna do? So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. That's crazy amount of money they're throwing around.
2: Put your lawyer hat on for a moment. You've got Phil and Eleven from Liv also filing suit against the PGA tour Phil and Bryson uh, they filed an antitrust lawsuit against the PGA Tour. Uh, they're they're filing at least three of them to to gain entry into the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, gonna depend on the old judge draw, isn't it?
4: Yeah, I mean you never want to go that route because you never know what's going to happen. But it's like, man, I don't I don't know. To me, that's like you can't have it both ways. You got to have it one way or the other. You know, and these guys are trying to get it both ways. You know, they want to they want to go over there and play, but they also want to come over here and play. And it's like the PGA Tour is a PGA Tour. It's like they, they have rules and regulations on how and why you can be a member. You can't just pick and choose wherever you want. I mean, they're a business. They have to run a business. So there's certain criteria you have to meet. You know, to be a, a member of that, you can't just play when you want and not when you want. So it's like I don't I, I don't get it. Mike, now that we're a couple Pretty months, dis- in very disrespectful to me.
3: But Mike, now that we're a couple of months into this whole live experiment, uh, with about a minute left here, do you worry that that this is lowering the quality of golf that we get to watch on TV on the weekends? I mean, the, the initial thought was maybe no, not really. We're still going to get high level golf, but now that we've seen a couple of months, do you think that's what we're seeing? I do.
4: I mean, because it's like, what do they, what do they really have to play for? They already have their money. You know, so it's like they already have these guarantees of what they're getting paid. So it's like, where's their incentive to go out there and play? And what's the incentive to win the the Saudi Arabia Open? You know, it's like, what is that? You know, to me, there's an incentive to win the Masters, you know, and because it's winning the Masters, first of all. And it's a two million dollar first place check, you know, so it's like, I don't know, so it diminishes the incentive to me a little bit for the players. You know, so it's like they really don't. You know, do they have to really care that much? Do they care that much? I don't know, or do they just kind of go through more of the motion? So I, I see that. You know, I don't. I don't it 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 doesn't bring as much excitement to me. Mm-hmm.
2: Shuey, we will uh, bump into you soon. I know wilderness is uh, thriving with the new aquatic center and uh folks can uh, contact Shuey and the great folks at Wilderness Ridge about membership and uh, check it out, get a tour and check out how incredible golf is at Wilderness Ridge. Shuey will check in next week, bud, and uh, we'll get ready for uh, uh for football as we get closer to kickoff, all right?
4: I love it, man. You got a show from the Lazy River one of these days. I want to see you around
2: the Lazy River. Done. I will be there. I'll make <laughs> sure I wear a shirt. Mike shoehart's with us. Shoe, you take care, bud. You too.
4: Stay safe. And now...
1: And now,
2: back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hale Varsity Radio this hour. Next hour, we kick it off with the Pirates. Mike Leach will join us, get uh, Coach's take on how the Bulldogs will be. Uh, we'll ask him about Ireland because he is a world traveler. And uh, I don't know. Topic of swearing. It's always kind of fun and random. Uh, we check in with the Pirate, and uh, that is happening next hour. Numbers to get in, 466 800 825-5865. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And then also Hail Varsity radio, Radio's Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio on Twitter. Podcast, Elijah, uh, we love putting the show up. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and a part of the Hail Varsity YouTube channel. So you miss us or you just catch a, a glimpse of us. Uh, be sure to to check out the podcast, uh, individual interviews. That's posted different uh, areas, Facebook, and uh, on demand, ESPN Lincoln. So different ways to get uh, what part of the show you want to hear.
3: Yeah, and we're uh, we're working with the video component a lot more too. We've heard your messages, uh, people chiming in saying, "Oh, we want more of this video component. We want to see you guys actually doing the show." And uh, we will oblige. So we're going to try to get more and more of those uh, video type segments out for you as well. And we'll work on. Uh, restricting the, the nose picking, and, and we'll do our hair more as much as we can. Maybe, maybe even uh, I'll start doing some makeup, start curling the mustache, really See, get it looking don't, nice. don't
2: curl the stash, but your hair looks fine. I, I comb my hair today because I knew we were going to be on with Babbers, and we do the uh, whatever we want to call it with uh, our dear friend St. Nick Handley mm-hmm. and uh, Austin up in Omaha at 3.30, uh, 3.45 every day. So that's uh, important. But, yeah, check out the podcast, subscribe, do that. Roadshow reminder for our friends at Omaha. We are going to be in Omaha, going to be in La Vista at the Hale Varsity Club. We were there Monday. We will be back on Friday from 4 to 6. So, listen, you've got time. you got to sneak out and do a little, uh, you know, FAC happy hour fun. Come see us. Elijah and I will be up in La Vista at the Hale Varsity Club getting you ready. Uh, for a, a weekend, get some wings, get a beer, get a soda. If you're not into beer, get a vodka if you like vodka. But it's a great setup, Uh, so you're invited there.
3: And, and I mean, we're working on, uh, I mean, there's going to be drink specials uh, in the afternoons when we're up there, I, I believe happy hour while we're up there. And I, I want to get your take on this. If we get the chance to design our own cocktail, the Hale Varsity Radio cocktail, what are you throwing in there? Vodka.
2: Vodka? Vodka or some sort of bourbon, not together. That'd be terrible. We'll just call it the Saturday night. (laughs) So I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty. There's a there's a drink we we partake over uh, with uh, with uh, our friend Bert and and Timmy B that is it is Irish whiskey and lemonade. Okay, yeah. We call it the Bailey. It's pretty good. But that's that's
3: where I'm at with it. Are you gonna make something? I'm thinking about it. Okay. I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to it's gotta be some sort of whiskey drink. Okay. And I don't know, three parts whiskey, one part water. Call it good. <laughs> yep. The we'll Hale see. the hail varsity blackout. Is what we'll we'll call just it. we'll just call it the Joe Papa. That works too.
2: Yep, in honor of dad. So Reminder to get buckled up, hands on the wheel, eyes and mind, straight ahead the driver. One job, that's to drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Mike Leach, 10 minutes away at Sale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment. It's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. Back into it, a tower to a tail varsity radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Getting ready for football season, we welcome in the pirate coach Mike Leach of Mississippi State. Coach, how are we doing? How's the uh, the summer been treating you?
6: Um, I'm doing good. It's been kind of a whirlwind summer. These summers get shorter and shorter. Um, you know, you, you, you enjoy the summer, but then you also. Uh, um certainly look forward to the season. Uh, one thing about summers nowadays is um, now that the kids are out of the house, you get a lot more freedom and you can do a lot more things. Uh, so that part's pretty fun. So I traveled kind of far and wide a little bit this summer, maybe not as much as I do sometimes. Uh, but I went to Panama. I went to uh, Cartagena, Colombia, and then, uh, went back to uh, I'm from Wyoming went back to wyoming for the fourth of July and then uh, was in Florida <laughs> quite a bit and uh, uh, basically yeah had uh, had a pretty good summer and uh and uh, could probably be talked into a couple more weeks, but certainly looking forward to football
2: well week zero uh, we're headed over to Ireland. do you want to go?
6: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're talking to us some uh, about that. What, what do you think about the Ireland
2: deal? I I think I'm going to uh, make sure myself is knocked out for an 18 hour flight. But other than that, I can't wait. We'll be uh, we'll be broadcasting. We're not far. Nebraska's playing in the rugby stadium. I know you love rugby, and oh, yeah. we're uh, we're we're posting up at a at a pub. Uh, about uh, well, a bad punt away from the stadium. So we're all we're all set to go, man. Uh, have you been to Ireland?
6: Yeah, I have. Uh, I'd like to go more. Um, really nice town, uh, uh, really nice, a uh, lot of little nice towns. Mm-hmm. You know, Dublin's nice, but it's like it's still a city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't been to Northern Ireland, Ireland. I've literally been. Uh, from Shannon, which is on the West Coast, uh, all the way around the coast and up to Dublin, which is on the East Coast, uh, which means I've kind of uh, circumvented about the the southern half of the country and the northern half. There's easily that much more again, and I haven't been on the interior at all.
3: Now, Coach, while you were there, did you kiss the Blarney Stone? It's, uh, according to legend, it gives the gift of gab. So, I mean, it kind of sounds up your alley.
6: You know, uh, I didn't kiss it. I sort of high-fived it, <laughs> uh, to be to be honest with you. Now, people do kiss it. And so you, there better be some magical properties in that Blarney Stone. Let me just say, okay, so it's a really cool castle. And I and it's a cool legend. It's not nearly as big a castle as you'd think, because um, you know Scott, Scotland and Ireland have some massive castles, mm. and it's really not that big of a castle. And um, by castle standards, and it is a shoot. It's a it's literally a a whole uh, production. I mean, you go up there now, my. Uh, my wife and my daughter kissed it. Cause they, you know, they're doing everything you can think of, uh, for good luck, you know, going into the season, no matter what it was. <laughs> and my wife who was a germ freak and a neat freak. Her and my daughter both kissed the blarney stone. Okay. And, uh, and, and I am not, uh, you know, that, you know, I'll, uh, I'll eat about anything, you know, but, uh, I didn't see the sense of kissing the blarney stone really, but, um, So what it is, is you walk up there, and it's on the wall. The Blarney Stone's kind of at the top, you know, at the top of the wall, okay? And there will be an Irish dude there as you line up who, because you kind of lean backwards, almost like you're upside down when you kiss it, right? Mm. And so, so he leans you over, you kiss it, and there's another one to help you get your balance and get on the way. But it is literally, it is like a, 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 almost a conveyor belt of uh, people, just boom, 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 boom. And, and it, at least when I was there, and I think it's like this a lot, I mean, me and uh, me and like uh, several hundred of my new best friends <laughs> kicked that Barney Stone within uh, 20 minutes or so.
2: Mike Leach with us coach at mississippi state the pirate joining us here on ale varsity radio coach uh a thought on the season uh how's the uh the squad gonna be uh excitement level here for another year at mississippi state
6: you know we're excited we've got we've got a lot of the same faces back uh you know it's like as far as the number of starts we've got some experience we're still not very old i mean i keep saying that and, and we did get a year older from one year to the next but uh we have very few seniors. Um, we have, uh, we're pre- predominantly a junior and sophomore team, but I do have a number of guys that have started since they were freshmen, and I think uh, you know, that's helpful as far as uh, uh, some experience, at least on the field.
2: What do you, in all your time with tutoring quarterbacks, you know, I don't know if you do a survey of them or, or not, but what, what do you think they like doing most for you? <laughs>
6: Oh shoot! I don't know throwing. Um, <laughs> well,
2: but I'm saying is it is it the preparation? Is it the uh, the game plan? I mean, just where where do they have the most fun with you? I guess is the better way to put.
6: it. I, I think there's a point to where that uh, practice meet and practice. You know, I mean, those both of those things get long, mm-hmm. uh, but you do kind of have moments of quality time, which is. Sort of all the guys in the room, you know, and then where you're trading more stories, laughing about something, you know.
2: Who's the biggest character you've had as a quarterback?
6: Well, shoot, there's a bunch of those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me think here. Uh, I mean, all brilliant in their own right characters as far as just real character.
2: Just great personality. Make you laugh.
6: Well, as far as far as you know, wild and that sort of sense would be like B.J. Simmons, Gardner Minshew, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just uh, just kind of edgier guys, you know, and uh, <laughs> uh, both of them edgy, both of them fearless. I mean, utterly fearless, uh, and no matter what they're doing, just all in, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: Mike Leach with us, Few Minutes, Hail Varsity Radio. So, Will Clark was down in Starkville. Had you uh, connected with Will Clark before?
6: You know, I, ha- I I've texted back and forth with him, and I'm, you know, he just made it into the Hall of Fame, so I'm I'm really thrilled about that. Yeah, great. And, you know, growing up, I was a Will Clark fan. Um, you know, I was definitely a Will Clark fan. I wasn't really growing up. I was the I, I think we're approximately the same age, mm-hmm. but anyway, he might be a little, I don't know we'd, we'd have to do the math, but um, I, I was, but I was a big fan, you know, there at the Giants because see <coughs> um, I went to law school in LA and, and, and I was growing up I was a, a kid that was more of a, a Yankees fan. So I hated the Dodgers. And so then, uh, but I was right near Dodger stadium and I loved baseball and I especially liked watching the Dodgers play the Padres, or in particular the Giants, and um, and so I, I definitely liked Will Clark. And Will Clark was just such an intense student of the game. And you know, I mean, you know, you do it the right way, even if you're an, an opponent or something. You don't hustle to a base. Will's going to let you know. You know, sure. And uh, uh, no, I think just uh, just outstanding it was great for baseball and. Uh, and the way he was great is just, uh, you know, just completely committed. There was no gray area. Will was, was all in and felt. Um, but he just got inducted into the Hall of Fame, so we're thrilled about that.
3: Coach, you mentioned growing up around Dodger Stadium, and today the, the legacy and the life of Vin Scully is on our mind. Do you have any memories of, of listening to, to Vin Scully call Dodger baseball games?
6: Well, I mean, I've got to say, you're, you're, I was – kind of unfairly biased against the Dodgers. And <laughs> so listening to Vince Scully can be quite painful to me. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, rooting for him to lose when they were winning all the time was tough a little bit. And um, uh, so, because, you know, I was, uh, I was uh, at that time I was a Yankees fan, or first and foremost, whatever team that Billy Martin managed, okay? Uh Billy Martin was my favorite guy. They said I've even been asked who most inspired you to, you know, coach football or what coaches do you look to? Occasionally they're surprised to to hear, but maybe number one is Billy Martin. And um and uh so and I would have I wish I would have gotten the opportunity to meet Billy Martin. I never did. Um but uh I know his son a little bit, but that <laughs> I always admired Billy Martin and uh, you know com- uh, committed student of the game, no matter what, no matter how old he got. Uh, and then always felt like he could find a way. So I really liked that. Okay, so then you got the Dodgers, <clears throat> and then you got Vince uh, Vince Scully talk, uh, talking about getting products from Farmer Johns. You know,
7: mm-hmm.
6: in L.A. There's a uh, You know, I guess it's like bacon and stuff. But, you know, Ben uh, Ben always wanted you to go to Farmer Jobs and get your stuff there, you know. And, uh, you know, in there, everything was just so happy, click, click with the Dodgers. And I started watching the Angels. And to this, uh, I mean, even now, I'm a big Angels fan. I I mean, uh, the Angels converted me. uh, You know, oh, and then... uh, uh, although I tend to follow managers, I mean, I I liked Don Mattingly so much as a player when he when he managed the Dodgers. Then, of course, you know I uh, kind of made some exceptions, and so anyway, and then and actually rooted for the Dodgers to you know to make a recent World Series. But um, uh, but no, Vince Scully would just echo through your head. So if you're hating the Dodgers. And you're in LA, and you're driving in your vehicle, and the radio's on, and you're stuck in traffic, which is virtually guaranteed all the time. Vin Scully, Vin Scully, Vin Scully. You know, it was it was almost like a, a, a Chinese water torture with the voice of Vin Scully. And um, but uh, yeah, and I do have to say this though, so just listening to him broadcasts and all that he is literally one of the greats, uh, you know, kind of did it his way to totally, uh, uh, I mean, you, you, you do immediately. There's never any question. Let's see who's broadcasting this. Is it this guy or that guy? No, you knew damn well it was Ben Scully, you know? And I, I, I think very uh, true original and I just did great at what he did and, and all that, you know, I, uh, and I was, uh, I'm proud to say I heard him during his heyday and, mm-hmm. At the time, I should have appreciated it a little
2: more. A few more minutes. Uh, the Pirate with us. Head coach Mike Leach, Hale Varsity Radio. Head coach coach Mississippi State. Managers are are fun. The personalities. Loved Don Zimmer when he was with the Cubs. Uh, always got a kick out of uh, some of the, the, the clips of Earl Weaver. I mean, coach, oh, yeah. Earl Weaver got his money's worth all the time, didn't he? I mean, he was an artist of the F word.
6: Oh, they said he was the most profane one. So I've talked to these guys, you know, and you you would see like uh, guys ignite like Billy Martin and Dick Williams, you know, that were pretty explosive. But they said they 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 said, they said the, the wildest, most profane of all of them was uh, was Earl Weaver.
3: Earl was and, and, talented. And to be
6: honest, uh, what I heard, and I wasn't there or anything, but his favorite word. Uh, wasn't the F word, it was another one. You know, there, there's a couple words that go beyond the F word. Yes. And uh, he favored those.
2: <laughs> Who's the most profane coach you've gone up against?
6: Well, there's days that I give them a run for
2: their money, believe me. <laughs>
6: um, and um, profane coach.
2: Who's That's really good, good at swearing, you know?
6: Well, some, you know, some people just can't. Some people, it's too forced. I mean, they're, they're, you know, swearing is like any other talent. Um, you know, it's, it's like you develop the skills to do it, and some are more gifted than others. <laughs> like, for example, um, some will get the, you know, the, the words out of order or backwards, mm-hmm. or they just don't flow right, or, you know, their swearing feels really forced. Um, and then... Uh, but people that can really do it effectively, um, one, it's funny to hear, uh, two, it's intense, and three, the words flow together. So like a really good um, a really good uh, example of how to swear effectively, um, you know, where it blends together and sounds nice, George C. Scott was great at it. Like think about Patton. Right. George C. Scott and Patton. A master at swearing I mean really good and um, and so you know there's there's uh, there's there's coaches that are able to get that direction and then there's others where it's just all chopped up in sport and and uh, all chopped up and forced and and you know those you almost wish they'd uh, surrender and not desecrate the art of swearing. You know what I mean?
2: Well, Bo, from an intensity standpoint, I would think Bo would have rated the eight or, 8 or 9 no, no, out of 10.
6: No, he's good. Yeah? No, no, he's good. Like, I don't know him that well. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was at spring meetings with him and all that. No, he held his own. You know, it, it, he was definitely good.
2: we had got to put a, a field of 64 bracket together with Coach Leach here when it comes to uh, seeding the swearers in college football. Podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. Yeah.
1: We're back. Fellas, so, think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hale Varsity Radio,
2: presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Mike Leach with us, coach at Mississippi State, the Pirate, joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, a couple of minutes and we'll let you go, and we'll, we'll get back with you here uh, closer to the season kicking off. One, when it comes to Nebraska beef, what are you drafting? Are you drafting New York Strip? Ribeye, T-bone, or fillet.
6: Okay, say that Okay, let's start. Start again. So we got what is it?
2: You got a New York strip, you got a ribeye, okay. you got a T-bone, or you have a fillet. I left the sirloin I off.
6: Go, I have to go the ribeye. Okay. Um, <laughs> the ribeye. I mean, there's those who would argue uh, the New York strip or the fillet if they're on their diet, um, but you know. If you go all in on this thing, I mean, how do you, uh, how do you beat a ribeye? I mean, ri- ribeye is, uh, uh, ribeye is kind of the ultimate, you know.
2: Lastly, what happens to Saul? Are you caught up? Better call Saul.
6: Okay, no, I am not, and I was in the middle of it last night. I thought maybe I'd finish it. I still went to bed late, mm-hmm. and honestly, I was going to go to bed even later to finish it off. Um, I'm almost to the end of the second to the last episode. Okay. And I got the last episode sitting there. And what I've gotten preoccupied with, and I did finish, is Gaslight. And I thought it was very good. Okay. I thought it was very good. It was very accurate till the end. And, and see, when this is years ago, probably 20 years ago, but I've, I've read about five books on Watergate, not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on the, the various characters involved, and I've read their books. In in um, a working knowledge of the characters in Watergate, I think is key. But I was pretty captivated by Gaslight. I ran it back a number of times. You know, would re-listen to stuff, how they put the the words together, some things like that. But. um Uh, I thought they really did a good job. Um, uh, You know, I think they missed some things Mm -hmm. in those docudramas. You know, to me, they're always part reality, part documentary, part comic book, and part uh, um, dark comedy or something like that. And it was all of that. It was good. Um, And it was real, real, real after until the end when I think they needed to make the characters talk so they kind of put them together Mm uh they made john dean a lot more of a hero than he was Mm -hmm. um and then there's another sequence where uh they swapped one character out for another but it might be the best dialogue of the whole show anyways i thought it was good i highly recommend it okay and those that don't like it'll be because they don't know the characters so, I would say familiarize even Wikipedia real quick, like with the characters, but I really recommend castlight and it's very has a lot of parallels with our government now um you know these guys that get a certain amount of power first of all, you think they're really smart, which that's not true, <laughs> and second of all, you think on some level they can be trusted because you're all fighting for the same thing, and that's absolutely not not true because you know self interest totally rules the day.
2: Coach, couple of episodes left for Better Call Saul. Two weeks for the uh, the series finale. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch for that. Awesome to get caught up with you. Always love spending the few minutes. Thanks for your time today.
6: All right. Well, great talking to you. Good to hear from you
2: again. It's a pirate, Mike Leach. Uh, we covered it all. Vin Scully, the art of swearing and how he would draft, what he would draft when it comes to Nebraska beef and the uh, – The ribeye wins the day.
3: Yeah, But thinking back to the artist swearing, that was something that, I mean, I never learned in art school growing up. Like, whenever they sent us off to art class, they they always left the art of swearing off to the side. It was always like watercolor and colored pencils. And maybe I would have enjoyed art class a little more.
2: Well, uh, Leach nailed it. And, you know, a little good... A little bit of good insight on Bo. He's like, oh, he uh, holds his own. He's good. I, like, I would hope. <laughs> I mean, but uh, no. Good to hear from the pirate. We'll we'll have him um, on throughout the football season, and excited there. Uh, join us if you like, and dial up at four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five, and give us a follow on the Hale Varsity Twitter feed. At h varsity Radio on Twitter, so Nebraska football has made Nebraska fans swear quite a bit the last several seasons. We get into the confidence ranking. good story from The World Herald and Sammy McEwen when it comes to uh, ranking uh, the confidence uh, teams that Nebraska should have no problem with and uh, teams Nebraska may have a big problem with. And as I look at the uh, ranking Nebraska's easiest to most difficult opponents, I personally, because of the context, because of the importance, because of the situation, Northwestern's got to be top three, doesn't it? As far as most difficult, maybe not, from a team standpoint or from a matchup standpoint, but for sure, from a who are you coaching against across the sideline that that mental aspect, yeah, Fitzgerald's done more with less for a long time, and just most folks don't think he has two bad seasons in a row. He'll sneak in a nine or ten win season after a, a three and nine so. Do they bounce back? And you you have travel, you have potential distraction, you have pressure of getting off on the right foot. So to me, Northwestern, as I go reverse order, from hardest to easiest, it's in that top three because of the magnitude of it. It, It's right there. From an opponent's standpoint, in the Big Ten and even non-conference, Oklahoma's in there. I, I don't disagree that there's a lot of transition and turnover. And how's Venable's handle being the head dog? Listen, he'll continue to recruit. They'll be intense. They may be better defensively. They're also working with a transfer quarterback in Dylan Gabriel. Flipping through Phil Steele here a moment ago. Phil doesn't have too many first-team players for Oklahoma. I just think one lineman, you don't have anybody on defense. I think you got to go to third or fourth team before you start seeing what's been traditionally good for Oklahoma. That's having a a tackle or a center or a couple of members on the offensive line on the All-Big 12 team. Same with their defense. They were loaded last year with their edge rushers and their interior. They're not poor. (laughs) They're not going to be Non-talented, but it's some guys you just don't know a lot about. They returned 15 starters a year ago; that isn't the case this year. But I think Gabriel can be a good fit for him, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a war for Nebraska. So OU fits right in there, and Michigan on the road, whether they're built to last or they take a step back, that's a tough ball game in November. I'm torn between where I slot Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. Defensively, Iowa, hands down, is the leader in the clubhouse with one of the best defenses Nebraska will face all year. Offensively, uh, Wisconsin has Allen, and they are just good at at printing linemen, and it's going to be a phone booth ball game. Then there's Minnesota. Minnesota has the best quarterback Uh, Nebraska will see in Lincoln, in the Big Ten. They've got to go to Purdue against O'Connell. But with with Morgan coming back for a 78th season with his old OC, to me, that is... With quarterback, I, I've got to give Minnesota the edge over what Wisconsin and Iowa have at quarterback. So if I'm ranking... I think Iowa City's probably probably fourth right there I'm going going Oklahoma I'm going Iowa I'm going northwestern and then Wisconsin okay. you, you can you can pick apart my order totally get it but as we sit here August 3rd my crazy uh, screwed up math says says that right now because Points are going to be at a premium for a lot of these games, but I think Nebraska, if if it translates to the field, and they get Northwestern handled, that's why it's top three for me. I think it opens the door for a lot of good things for the season. doesn't guarantee a win against Oklahoma. doesn't mean anything against Wisconsin, Iowa, or Minnesota, but it can do wonders uh, for between the years, and I think that's – as much of anything in the Big 10.
3: Now, I like your take on Northwestern because there's the also the added factor of a new offensive coordinator, mostly new offensive coaches And the fact that that offense is still more than likely going to be somewhat of a work in progress by the time Nebraska heads off to Dublin. You're not going to know exactly what it's going to look like. And the team's probably not going to know themselves what their true identity is. They can have a sense of it, but you're not going to know that just yet. And it might take a couple of games to finally get there. You're looking at maybe the Oklahoma game is the time where this Nebraska offense may come into its own and have its identity set for the year. So you're going to be working through that in Northwestern or against Northwestern, I should say. And I I like that take of that's what what kind of brings that up into that level of potentially being a a top five most difficult games for that reason. But I think the top of the list has got to be Michigan. Michigan's the most difficult opponent for Nebraska. They they bring back talent. Uh, You saw what they did last season. They have a formula for success moving forward. Now, the only real question mark I have with Michigan is, are they going to keep that chip on their shoulder that they had last season? And that was... Uh, brought forth by those leaders they had within the team, the uh, the, the Hutchinsons, the Ajabos, mm-hmm. uh, the Hassan Haskins. They all played like they had a a giant chip on their shoulder all season long. And if Michigan can keep that chip on their shoulder and people still think, oh, you're, you're the little dog against Ohio State in this conference, if they can carry that through an entire 2022 season, Michigan could repeat as Big Ten champions. I think they have enough talent to do that, despite the fact that everyone's picking Ohio State. But to me, it comes down to, does that chip on the shoulder remain? Purdue, uh,
2: and they shouldn't be forgotten. That is your early pole position for the West, again, assuming everything falls right if you're a Nebraska fan in Dublin. But Purdue, I mean, those have been shootouts. And while Purdue probably has the second-best quarterback in the league, Nebraska's fared fairly well in West Lafayette. At least that's that's one of the few road wins Nebraska has. And it's always a matching of wits with Brom and Frost. Well, Frost will still be part of that equation, but you got Whipple v. Brom. And, and Purdue, I guess I'm not as high on them as sustaining mm-hmm. because of what they lost with Carl Loftus, their wideouts. Oh, David Bell. Bell's gone. Now they raided Iowa. But we'll see. So Purdue's just a bit off the radar, but by October 15th, uh, could totally be wrong on that. Uh, working through a Wednesday at Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
3: Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsitycom slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of HailVarsity. Varsity. That's hailvarsitycom slash subscribe, promo code GBR.
1: He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on HailVarsity Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught, preteen Swedish boy.
2: Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a jock Doc Wednesday. Nebraska orthopedist, Dr. Doug Davis with us. Dr. Doug, you ready for some two-a-days? You ready for football?
7: getting to be that time of year, Chris. It uh, makes you think back to your high school days. I'm not sure I liked it. <laughs> well,
2: Some of us said uh, I'm good. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let the bigger guys go sweat and, uh, and, and drink water and run the hill. I'll, uh, I'll yeah, step, all exit stage left, but a lot of, lot of excitement, a lot of uh, energy for well, from Denver fans, especially with Russ going there to play quarterback, and Nebraska fans excited about Randy Gregory in Denver. But, uh, one of the wideouts for Denver, Tim Patrick, suffering a, an ACL injury, tore that ACL on his right knee out for the year. Dr. Doug, let's get into it. And these are going to be pretty common, unfortunately. At the college level, at the NFL level, at the high school level, uh, when guys uh, get out, and even if it's just a non-contact thing, uh, it's something that's a reality uh, on the football field.
7: Yeah, I mean this is kind of that classic example. Um, You know, you're in the middle of a practice situation, and you know you catch a ball and make a cut. You know, to turn upfield, and boom, the the leg goes. And um, you know, there's just a there's a ton of these ACL injuries that are um secondary to those non-contact injuries like this and and um, beginning to seeing more and more of it again
2: well you had Patrick uh, caught a pass during team drills on Tuesday and uh, then tried to turn plant get up field and uh, his leg buckled and he grabbed grabbed that right knee fell to the ground yeah he had uh, teammates and Uh, staff that that are heartbroken for him. Let's talk about just the, the tear itself where you guys come in with the repair and the rehab and give me a thought just where, where you're at uh, as uh, a profession, you know, five years now uh, versus five years ago when it comes to ACL repair.
7: Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of good thoughts there. The, um, You know, the reality of it is that um, we've been dealing with, you know, ACL injuries all the way back. We just didn't treat them back, you know, in the the Joe Namath days. It was that big old clunky brace, you know. And then uh, we get into the 80s and we start reconstructing them, meaning that we are putting in a new piece of tissue for the old ACL. Um, And that's really what kind of turned the corner on being able to, to fix these things. But one of the bugaboos that we've always had has been the meniscal cartilages, um, because those get injured about 40% of the time on a, an initial ACL injury. And I think the biggest change that we've got in these uh, in these last five years has been... Um, we've got some new technologies available to us uh, with, with our arthroscopic meniscal repairs we We're able to do some meniscal repairs that we just weren't able to do uh, years ago um, the The thought was that they would not heal and that's that thought has been changing pretty dramatically so it, it's not at all unusual for me to do a meniscal repair with my ACLs now, whereas uh, in years past it was, um, it, it was significantly less. Now, what's interesting about that is that the uh, loss of the meniscus when there's an ACL tear is one of the highest predictors of difficulty for a player being able to come back and participate at a high level. So I think that it really is better right now than what it was, say five or ten years ago, um, primarily because of that.
2: Dr. Doug Davis with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a Jock Doc Wednesday. And and Dr. Doug,
3: you mentioned that that meniscus being a a big factor here, and does that change based on whether a knee injury is, say, contact or non-contact? I mean, it sounds like Tim Patrick's knee injury was going up for a deep ball, came down wrong on the knee, and and something popped. Uh, But I think also back to a a contact knee injury such as Willis McGahee back in the Fiesta Bowl way back when we took a shot in the knee. uh, The knee went, and just a a terrible recovery for him. Is there any difference between the the contact and non-contact aspect of things from a, a doctor's point of view?
7: Yeah, I think there's a higher likelihood of a multiple ligament injury when we have the contact injury. And so um, like the medial collateral ligament and the ACL tearing. Well, when when that happens, there's an uh, increased degree of pressure against the meniscus on the outer aspect of the knee. And so um, those more violent injuries um, are likely to come up with a, a more dramatic tear of a meniscus, one that's harder to fix or not fixable. So, yes, I would say the contact injuries are, are, are just a bigger issue overall, and, and the meniscus being part of that.
2: Dr. Doug Tavis with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Uh, a thought from you, Dr. Doug, on, on recovery and then the option here when it comes to the ligament, uh, whether you go from your own tissue or you go an alternative route.
7: Yeah, the, um, the recent things uh, that have been coming out have been meniscal, or excuse me, have been uh, ACL repair, where we don't put a new piece of tissue in there, but we um, uh, put a sleeve around the existing tissue and then um, try to augment that with some biological um, augmentation to get it to heal. I think the jury's still out on that one. Um, but as far as whether you use your own tissue or an allograft, Allograft means somebody else's tissue. There's pretty significant evidence to say that your own tissue is better. Um, and, you know, we're talking about a 94%, 95% likelihood of being able to return to participation at that same level using your own tissue. And that drops down to 85 to 87% with a uh, allograft. So the speed of recovery is better with allograft. But in the long run, you know, for these guys that are making a living using their knees... You know, I think that seven to ten percent difference is a significant issue.
2: Why is it quicker with uh, (laughs) with with someone else's uh, uh, tissue?
7: Yeah, because you're not recovering from the uh, donor site. um, uh, So, you know, either you're using your hamstring tendon or your patella tendon. And both of those require some time to heal up sure. and um, um, not having to have that. The initial phase of rehab is, is really uh, noticeably different for the allograft patient.
3: Does age factor in at all with, with which knee operation you want to do here? Say whether a guy's a, a 10-year NFL veteran, say 32 years old, compared to, say, a 19-year-old college kid?
7: It doesn't really figure in for me very much with my athletic population. I'm, I'm almost certainly going to be using a, um, uh, a hamstring or a patella tendon from that individual. When it um, when we get into, you know, a 45-, 55-year-old you know, farmer or a, a recreational skier or something like that, I'll start thinking about using allografts in that situation but uh, for my for my athletic population that is either still in school or, or trying to make a living you know with athletics or just playing at a really high level, I think I think the percentages and the odds favor using your own tissue.
2: Dr. Doug Tavis with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, talking ACL and uh, injury to the, the top touchdown man for Denver last year. Dr. Doug uh, getting cranked up for football. We'll, We'll talk again next week. Thanks for a few minutes today.
7: You I hope it goes
2: well for him. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine or annual football yearbook and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com, backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for ten dollars off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR.
1: Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring me in for the. On call for you, catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: One final time, midweek edition, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Put it down in your calendar, 4 to 6 Hail Varsity Club this Friday. Getting the weekend kicked off the right way. Come see us. Plenty of food and drink specials, some special guests on hand, and on the, uh, the stream yard. So uh, we'll get uh, more thoughts on Nebraska football. Big thanks to Mike Babcock and the Pirate Mike Leach for joining us today. Mike Shewhart as well. Tomorrow on the show, we'll uh, spend time with Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity. Grant Wistrom, great Husker, great NFLer. Uh, G-Dub, uh, number 98, will join us And uh, also the coach, Gary Barnett. So loaded up for tomorrow. And uh, just getting you a heads up as well. Following us in Omaha, of course, Sports Nightly. Greg and company. Uh, Brock Bando, buddy of yours. uh, Elijah, teammate of yours. Going to be on their show tonight. And uh, Kevin Suits. Suitsy back uh, from Chicago for Big Ten Media Days for volleyball. And so Suitsi will check in on Sports Nightly. So I give that a listen to our friends up in Omaha. And yeah, uh, lining up uh, plenty more to come. And uh, been a part of this group text with Cranak and uh, his crew that's going over to Ireland with us. And the itineraries, fantastic. Now, I did take notes from Coach Leach earlier about the Blarney Stone. But he he high-fived it versus giving it a smooch. I don't know that I'm. I don't know if we're going to the Blarney Stone or not.
3: Yeah, I've, I've heard conflicting reports. Some people will say it, it gives you the gift of the gab, lets you uh, really be a, a flirt, I, I guess, in some senses. And other people say, well, kiss the stone, it gives you good luck. I've heard both, and I'm not sure which is true. Maybe both can be true. But okay. I, I don't think you need any more of the gift of the gab. I think you got that down, or the luck,
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? Or or the uh, the luck part of the equation. So. That is interesting, but there's scouting to be done with the the different pubs that's for sure, and uh we're we're all about that. but be sure to get the podcast, find us hail Varsity Radio, give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. thousand percent happy to take the feedback and uh, find the show hail varsity Radio podcast, Spotify, iTunes. Google Play, part of the uh, Herdat family of podcasts. So get your emails in and uh, response to the confidence ranking, worst to first, toughest to easiest on Nebraska's schedule. We tackled that a little bit earlier. Uh, Also dove in uh, on the heels of uh, some of the win total, the Reddit pull out there for Nebraska. Percentages attached for sure to... Uh, who uh, a lot of the Husker fans that, that took part in this poll uh, feel best about, and it's quite a division versus the well, the, the teams you're supposed to beat versus the coin flip slash toss up ball games. And so we hit on that on today's show. Vogel, Grant, Wistrom, Coach Barnett. Check out the podcast. Also, Coach Leeds, the full interview. ESPN Lincoln's On Demand.
3: Yeah, and hoping to get that leech interview up in video form on uh, YouTube tonight as well, so you can check that out if you prefer the video form of things.
2: All right, back at it tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity. Have a good uh, rest of your Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
3: A Huda Media Production.